In the mid-1980s, author Winston Groom published a story which would, thanks to its Oscar-winning Hollywood adaptation, come to be a quintessential American tale. Forrest Gump's life zigzags around some of the most important moments in 20th century American history. But where's the line between fact and fiction? In this episode, we dive into a modern classic to answer the question, how accurate is Forrest Gump? Welcome to America, a history podcast. I'm Liam Heffernan, and every week we answer a different question to understand the people, the places, and the events that make the USA what it is today. Joining me from the faculty today is John Mitchell, an Associate Professor of American Studies at the University of East Anglia. His interests are in late 20th century US culture with a particular interest in the representation of gender and sexuality. John, welcome to the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, great to have you here. And uh, before we get started, uh, as this is the first time our listeners have have heard you, uh, do give us a brief outline of who you are and what you do. Okay, um, well, as you said, I'm an associate professor of American studies, largely looking at kind of cultural studies, not just history, not just literature, but the way that they kind of intersect, tell the stories about America, how it's been, where it is, where it's going, and about the kind of diversity um, and, and the wonderment of the, of, of the nation as well, and some of, of obviously some of the problematics also too. Mm-hmm. So I tend to focus on gender and sexuality, along with popular culture, particularly film and literature, moving from like the 1950s up to the present day. So but I do tend to spend a lot of time in the 50s and 60s. Yeah, and film is, is an area that I've, I felt like needed to be addressed in any podcast that looks at <laughs> American history and culture. You know, Hollywood is such a big part of that. And uh, yeah. there were so many places that we could start when we were sort of trying to look at uh, certain like iconic American films. But Forrest Gump, just felt like at the right place because it's sort of it's it's a love story but it's really just sort of masquerading as a bit of a a tour through the 20th century which sounds a bit boring because i'm terrible at selling stuff so (laughs) uh, i get let's start off by just why what is it that you think it is about forrest gump that resonates so much i think important to say at the outset before we get any deeper into it that it it is a fun film it's an enjoyable family fun film do you know what i mean it is mm. it's it's just simply that, that kind of the outset i mean you know lots of people love it because you love tom hanks you know kind of particularly people my age grew up with tom hanks through you know money pit through big particularly those two movies as well as the movies he did, the rom-coms he did doing the 80 sleepers in seattle and, and so like so kind of he's a big draw here but it is just that enjoyment it is a, such a feel-good and positive and uplifting film um, it has its dark moments, but even they do not overcloud the sense of of positivity of the film. Yeah, it's a great watch, um, but it's also like really critically acclaimed as well. So there's there's something about it that just hits the mark, not just for you know family audiences and general moviegoers, but for but for critics and and experts alike. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm sure there are many people out there who don't like it, but I think I, I, I when I talk to people about this movie. 
Uh, I think most people like it rather than not. I also can't believe it was 1994. <laughs> it's really kind of aged me. Thing. I thought this was much later. This is about 1998 and 1999. I clearly remember it much later on, but you know, I think I went to the cinema to see this. So, uh, Quite nice. 30, well, 29 me. years ago now. Crazy. 20, yeah, yeah, shh. Don't say that. <laughs> don't say that. I think even, even watching it now, it does, it does retain a certain freshness as well. I think it's, it's quite... Even as you say, it's a kind of romp through the 20th century. It is quite a simple tale in some ways. Uh, it doesn't get too bogged down. Uh, and obviously, we'll come to that in a bit. It does, doesn't get too bogged down in the history side of this. You know, it, it is kind of a little bit tongue-in-cheek with the history. But it also reminds me, you know, it's 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 a tall tale, isn't it? I mean, it, it's based on the idea of kind of the, the tall tale. So I'm thinking of, um, I forget the director's name, um, uh, the, the film Big Fish. Sorry, I forget the forgot the Batman director. I forgot his mm. name in a minute. Um, but Tim Burton. Big Fish. Tim Burton. That's it. Mm. I mean, it, it's it's that sense of of the the wonderful big you know tall tale and the, the kind of I think that kind of folk folklorish nature of of kind of sometimes of American storytelling that goes back to people like you know um, Washington Irving and kind of Rip Van Winkle tales, but also runs a romp through things like um, Huckleberry Finn. Tom Adventures of Tom Sawyer, um, so it has that sort of everyman folk tale kind of quality. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking as well of Homer Simpson uh, in The Simpsons. And obviously, The Simpsons was designed initially around Bart Simpson, but obviously Homer becomes a much bigger hero mm. because he has that everyman quality. If you think of what uh, Forrest Gump does, but if you think over the thirty odd years what Homer Simpson has done as well, you find sort of similar kind of parallels of his engagement with American history. Um, so it is that kind of everyman quality that's taken here in Forrest Gump as a positive. You know, if you look at something like Death of a Salesman, the idea of the everyman is a bit more, of, it's, a, it's a darker tale. It's a tale of kind of loss and mm. um, failed hope of failed dreams. But here in Forrest Gump, as with something like The Simpsons, it's more, you know, it's not without being critical, but it's more of a kind of a, a, an upbeat aspect. Yeah, and uh, it's an interesting comparison. I don't think I've ever heard anyone compare Homer Simpson to Forrest Gump before. But uh, <laughs> um, I, I think the the difference to me is that there's a clear fictionalization with The Simpsons because it's animated. It takes you into another yeah. world that isn't quite the, the reality that we know. Forrest Gump is a bit different because it's kind of partly mythicizing these you know historical moments in American history, mm-hmm. but it's also it's really playing with the truth a bit because of how it does it anyone who who's listening to this and hasn't seen the film you know there's certain scenes where Forrest Gump is projected into scenes alongside presidents and famous figures um, so it gives that illusion of, of truth almost so where do you think that responsibility is with filmmakers and, and artists to portray historical events accurately I think that's become such a big question, especially with you know the, the advancements in AI, isn't it? I mean, I think I'm not saying Forrest Gump was the first, but that sort of sense of putting people where they didn't originally exist kind of is one of the first examples I can think of. Mm. It, it's I, I think we we have to allow for certain levels of poetic license, certain levels of creativity use. I mean, we could get quite philosophical here. You speak about the truth as if, you know, some kind of absolute or history as if some kind of absolute. I think that's something that we have to think about that, you know, sticking with history rather than truth, because, you know, that gets us, you know, a little bit more navel gazing. But we have this kind of sense of history, uh, and, and hopefully my historian colleagues won't, won't crush me for this, but we have this sense of history as kind of there is this 
factual base to it. It's a series of facts, and and that's what history is. But facts on their own are kind of boring. You know, they don't really tell us anything. I mean, knowing that the Great Fire of London was in 15, whatever it was, doesn't give us a sense of being there. It doesn't give us a sense of the smell or the fear or the... So I think most historians, I think with all historians, we we string these facts together in, into a narrative that we base upon those facts, but we make a narrative. And I think we also have an idea of history that, you know, it's, you know, the great man view of history, you know, where it's about wars and about generals and about, but I think, and this is something that Forrest Gump is playing with, it's also about people living everyday lives. We are living history as we speak and we are constantly engaging with the kind of making it up in the fabrication storytelling, I suppose, is, is what I'm saying. You know, all history is a kind of an aspect of storytelling. Yeah. And is that, do you think, why there's there's a certain degree of licensing? You know, what, one example that springs to mind is this, the idea of race and how civil rights and race relations were, were portrayed in Forrest Gump. You know, it was, yeah. there was definitely a watering down of the issues, I think, in certain scenes. Some people might disagree, but I, I, I feel like... The film didn't give it the time that perhaps it needed in certain cases. And I guess guess my question is, do you think that that's okay? Because as you kind of alluded to, history and the truth is subjective. There's an interpretation to it. And we're seeing this from Forrest's perspective. I think, I mean, I think the importance of dealing with history is, is about sensitivity. I think the further back with history you go, I think the more license you can probably take but I mean, there are people, you know, still living from these periods of time, like civil rights or the Vietnam War, and there are people still experiencing the legacies of these things. With our with our current sensibilities, I think to have a a film like Forrest Gump with a very very strongly white male lead taking this romp or tour through American history can seem insensitive in that sense. Uh, I I don't know if that's the intention of the film. I th- I think there's a sense of Forrest being, he's, he's he's the idea is that he's kind of non-ideological. He just does things, yeah. So when he's told to run, he runs. When he's told to stop, he stops. He doesn't. He's not a political animal in any sense. He's just you know a, he just does. And by doing, you know, almost sometimes unthinkingly, he achieves. I mean, it's. I think we do have to take it as a fantasy. So this is. A, a fantasy of a kind of American history. I think we also have to think about, and, and this is probably why I'm putting my literature hat on here, we also have to think about the narrative, the way the narrative is constructed in this uh, story, where um, you know, the story is kind of, the first part of the story is kind of bookended by, you know, the 1981, where Forrest is sitting on a bench telling people his story back, that goes back to 1956 up to 81. And then the second part of the story is from 81 to 82, where, you know, he finds out he's got a son and, you know, Jenny dies and all the rest of it. Sorry, spoilers there. And that's something you don't really notice in the film because the segue is so smooth. But this is Forrest's story. You know, this is, this is a story told to people in, in bits. So it's coming very, it's not only subjective in terms of history, it's subjective, but it's, this is Forrest's story about his understanding of his experience of life. You know, if, if we ask somebody who is, is his mother's story, it would probably be a different, you know, image. Or if we ask for Bubba's story, it would probably be very different. But I think this is very much a white man's story of how his life has got to the point he's at. So that way it is a very, it's very incredibly subjective and very kind of filtered. If you think about just as a film, it, then it does yeah, give very short shrift to both 
a problematic short, short shift to the civil rights movement and to the Vietnam War. You know, Vietnam becomes, as, as it does in most kind of films about Vietnam, or Vietnam itself as a country and as a nation with people kind of becomes invisible. You know, it becomes the GI story as most Vietnam War films, American War, Vietnam War films become. So it's problematic in that. But I think, I think it's that point of being there. And I think there's, there's a bit of a whitewashing going on here that kind of America is not some, you know, this, this is dark moments in American history, but there were some wonderful bright spots. So when you have the, um, what George Wallace kind of stand against the kind of the integration of the schools, you know, suddenly, you know, you've got this white man handing, you know, a black girl, her book back. It's trying to, I suppose, in its own, maybe limited way, kind of break that binary between black and white, say that it wasn't, you know, this, this was a particular political moment, but not every American was thinking like this. You know, on the other side of the coin, you, you've got this commentary on just how the ignorant white man can just be landed with opportunities through no thought of his own you know he there's there's this very deliberate moment at the start of the film where where he talks about how he's he's inherited his name from one of the founders of the the Ku Klux Klan you know and he doesn't he doesn't pay much thought to it in fact in his in his very naive way he just talks about them as these people that put capes on and ride around playing games almost there's a real ignorance about Forrest Gump that that nowadays, I think if you watched it for the first time, you wouldn't find anywhere near as charming as perhaps we did when it was made no. in 94. No, um, I, I still think that the, the film was married. I, I mean, the film is set in 1994. It's a particular, I suppose, upbeat moment in both you know, in the Western world mm. in, in some ways. It is trying to spin something positive, I think, out of the American story. You, I think it's aiming for innocence, um, and you know it's a particular American trope, innocence. Um, but as you suggest, I mean the the counter side or the other side of 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 innocence is ignorance. So, you know, I, I tied him back to people like um, Rip Van Winkle already, and to Huck Finn. You know, and they are again two quite famously ignorant, you know, characters in American letters. You know, so. You know, for Red Van Winkle, the revolution happens without him having to do anything. For Huck Finn, he's heading to somewhere where history has gone to overtake him anyway, and he just wants to, you know, have no responsibilities. He doesn't want to be civilized. And I think Huck Finn, I think Forrest Gump plays into that kind of man-child imagery that sometimes America wants to present about itself as if, yeah, we've done some bad things, but, you know, they're kind of youthful discretions. We're just finding our feet. So it's kind of slightly apologist, slightly trying to ignore the issues whilst also raising them hmm. at the same time. I agree with everything saying, but the negative representations here of, of, of the different aspects of history, I think it's trying to deal with them by not dealing with them. Yeah, so multiple readings there. I don't think it's trying to avoid them. I think it's trying to, I don't think it's necessarily unthinking, but it's trying to integrate them into a different kind of story that's maybe not Forrest Gump's to tell. Yeah, I, I I completely agree with that interpretation, and I think that there's a there's a power in telling a story from the side of the in this case the the ignorant or the naive um, yeah. in um, really putting you in 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 that in that gaze. It almost highlights the issues and the problems more than if you were just straight 
kind of telling a story about the civil rights movement or the problems in America at that time. And I think Forrest Gump, for that reason, is a really is a really interesting character and probably nowadays quite a divisive one. But I think he serves a very important purpose. And anyone that's read the book as well would know that the the story gets so much crazier. You know, I think the yeah. film is rooted in, 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 in tries to root itself in more reality and plausibility than than yeah. the book. I mean, he ends up in space and befriends a monkey and it's just it's madness the book but uh, I, I have to admit i haven't read the book oh this, so. it's it's quite a read it's yeah. yeah there's more of a realism about the film and i think that's where these questions around historical accuracy come in and um, yeah. one of the parallels i always i always make is is to a film like inglorious bastards which was quentin tarantino and that's a little bit more fantastical but yeah, yeah. um there's still a question there around how much we should take at face value because obviously you know, if you know nothing about World War Two, when you're watching Glorious Bastards, you'll think, "Oh, Hitler gets blown up in a theater, right?" And you've got you've got to unlearn that. Um, yeah. So, what are the what are the things that that we see in Forrest Gump that we shouldn't be taking at face value? Yeah. So, it, so it plays around with a lot of history. So, I think I think probably El, you know, meeting Elvis and inspiring his dance moves, probably you know being coached by Bear Bryant, you know meeting the presidents. You know, I met the president again. I think we can. I think we can probably let them pass to a certain degree. You know, um, John Lennon's, you know, inspiring and imagined as well. I mean, we we could say, well, Elvis probably did meet people. Probably was inspired by different people. You know, why couldn't it have been someone like Forrest Gump? You know, you know, Imagine probably was inspired somewhere along the line by multiple different people. You know, why couldn't one of them be Forrest? So, I think we could probably throw them. Away. I think probably, as you point out, the two key historical moments were uh, are the, the the civil rights movement and coupled to that of course is the is the counterculture movement i do, i think the counterculture comes across as as incredibly negatively represented as well although it does it does kind of fit with kind of joan didion's view of the countercultures from the time so i mean the view of the counterculture might be useful in terms of we have a tendency to have turned it into a fashion icon now the, the, the counterculture where it's actually it was a political movement and there were problems with it you know there was drug abuse all kinds of problems so it might not be too problematic but it does tend to give it a kind of very negative spin um and obviously the vietnam war is very it's very truncated and and again as i said very very focused on the gi what i like about the vietnam war section is that it, it's almost a kind of correct uh, i don't want to say corrective a little bit of a remedy or an attempt at a remedy to kind of those, you know, uh, mission and action films in the 1980s, kind of the Chuck Norris type films or mm. the Ram- even kind of the Rambo type films where, you know, it's all about patriotism and heroism, whereas Forrest Gump saves everybody because he doesn't know how to stop. You know, that's it, it, he's not doing it for any kind of noble mission. He just doesn't know how to stop saving people. But what I also think is really, really important about the Vietnam part of the film is Bubba is introduced and um, Sergeant Dan is introduced and I think those two characters provide some sort of humanity that they otherwise wouldn't have been able to convey in a fairly short amount of film but I also think it's really interesting that 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 Bubba dies he's the sacrifice and it's this tale of how the the marginalized the the non-white tend to be the victims in this in this scenario and always have been the victims of American history right Again, I, th- I suppose what I'm trying to say is this film is constantly speaking with kind of multiple voices, some of them good, some of them bad. In a lot of Vietnam War movies of the 80s, you know, it does feature one or two black characters um, who are usually kind of incredibly stereotyped. 
I think there is a humanity to Bubba, and it represents, you know, so many of the GIs in the Vietnam War would have been black Americans. I mean, it doesn't quite capture that sense of it, but but on the other hand, you say it's the it's the interracial pairing that Leslie Fiedler points out in the 1960. You know, going back to Huck and Jim, or um, going back to you know the Deer Slayer novels of Fenimore Cooper. It's the kind of the inter, it's the pairing of the kind of the white, usually child or man child with the the, the, the guide, the kind of the. Um, the, the racially othered. Uh, sorry, I'm doing I'm doing um, inverted commas um, rabbits here. Obviously, nobody can see that. And, and and you can move that into the 80s with films like Lethal Weapon as well. Um, but you're right. This is a sense of Baba has to be the sacrifice, and this is problematic because Baba has to be the sacrifice so that Forrest later on could be the the bigger man by giving his Baba his Baba's wife his portion of the the business where he didn't necessarily need to do that. So. It does kind of give kind of uh, Forrest that kind of white savior kind of mantle. So this representation there, I think our discernment, now that we're kind of well into the 21st century, has, I think we've become better at discerning these problematics than maybe what were in the 1990s. So I think whilst this was a progressive film for the 1990s, it's kind of not so much looking through the lens of where we're at now. obviously touched on Forrest Gump as uh, a white saviour but I think there's also questions around Forrest Gump as a as a male saviour because there's, there's very few female characters in yeah. Forrest Gump and 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 those that that are in the film are, are kind of used as tools to um, or pawns I should say for, for Forrest Gump to save in one way or another. So somebody who works on, on gender it, it, it isn't um it's it's kind of it speaks to me in in that kind of way. Something I wrote down in my notes for this um, is you no, know, this film is all about you know that typical American trope of, of individualism, uh, and and Forrest's individualism, although it's very happenstance, tends to lead him into great things. Yeah, mm. tends to lead him towards success. You know, he works. You know, he's got that indirectly kind of Protestant work ethic where he puts in the labor, he's really kind of busy, really active, you know, he runs when he's in the sports, he can do the ping pong, he fights when he's told to fight in the army, whatever, he, he has that kind of work hard ethic, work ethic. Compared to Jenny's individualism, which she goes off, she becomes her own, but she can't survive, she becomes a, a kind of a, a drug addict, she she becomes, um, you know, the hints of prostitution there, she becomes, she's a, on, on stage kind of naked playing the guitar, she she does a kind of cover shoot for Playboy, which gets a kick out of college. So her individualism has led her to become almost the fallen woman, whereas he's become the kind of hero. She's become the fallen woman who eventually needs to be saved by him. Yeah, and you could say the same about Forrest's mum as well. You know, at the start of the film, you know, she's a single mum and yeah. she's trying to get Forrest a, a place in a school and, you know, she has to prostitute herself in order to 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 bribe the guy to let him in. And it's like, you know, she's she's incapable of doing these things without sexualizing herself. I think that that's probably intended to be a kind of a, a critique of, of, of Southern corruption, maybe. But yeah, I mean, she is, she ultimately sacrifices herself, her honor, her body, you know, for, for his good. So again, we have, a bit like Baba's sacrifice, we have for, for kind of the white man, can we have these kind of women sacrifice themselves for the male protagonist? You know, so 
everything kind of everybody's working to do things to kind of lift up forest so i guess you know finally having discussed all of this and there's there's a lot more to unpack about forest yeah. gump uh, that we could talk about for hours i'm sure but do you think ultimately that, that, that forest gump is an aspirational story or a cautionary tale i think it's, it's american story so i think most american stories are aspirational even when they're critical i mean i'm thinking of you know novels like catch 22 or one for the cookies list they still have that moment where there's a possibility of change or possibility of something better so I think it's I think it's always going to be aspirational because that's how it's been designed. I think it's I think it's a useful I think it's a, a useful tale to critically think about American history as you've been trying to do today, because it has it has kind of as I said it has kind of many voices and it is trying to do something with representation, and it's trying to do something with the 20th century as well. The 20th century was such a speed a speed rush through kind of uh, history American history. So many things changed so rapidly. I think it is trying to highlight something about American history. But I think, as I said, seeing it from the lens that we have now, the more kind of racially gendered lens that we have, I, I think it's good to think about what it gets wrong or or what are, what are problematics and, and to highlight, as you've done here, kind of issues about white serialism, issues about male male subjectivity and the formation of male subjectivity through sacrifices of, of, of women. Think about how the American um, ideal or the American dream, if you want to uh, want to use that, tends to be very male-focused and tends to be very male-privileging. This idea of individualism tends to have an individual male at the kind of core of it. So I think it's to sit on the fence, it's kind of both in many ways. I mean, it can't help but be aspirational because that's the, the formation of the tale. But I think it is a good one to think about American history and some of the limitations of its representation. This episode of America, a history podcast, was produced, hosted and edited by me, Liam Heffernan. A special thanks to our guest this week, John Mitchell. And if you want to find out more, check out the resources in the show notes. Also, don't forget to follow us wherever you get your podcasts and spare a few seconds to leave a review. Next time, I'm joined by Jacqueline Fear Siegel as we look at how America even came to be. As we answer the question, how did the 50 states become the 50 states?